Welcome back to Daf HaShavua. This week we're going to be learning Meseches Ksubos, Daf Tesvav. And the Mishnah on the bottom of Daf Yedalid Amadbez describes a case where a young girl, a Tinokes, says our Mishnah, was Yardel Malos Min Ha'ayin, Vinetensa, so she goes down to uh, to retrieve water from a particular well. And uh, as she was going down, as she was there, she was Nensa, she was raped by somebody uh, who was a uh, an unknown man. We have no clue who this particular person was. And the Mishnah tells us that the rule is, in the name of Rabbi Yochanan Benuri, that if the majority of the people in the city uh, are uh, fit to have their daughters marry into the kahuna, then she can be married into the kahuna. But if not, not. And what our Mishnah describes to us over here begins to enter into the world of the halachic concept of rov, that if rov, if the majority of people in the, uh, in the community, uh, once again, are people that are ro'oi, likanes, likahuna, then we can assume that, uh, that this particular rape at this particular point in time will not uh, remove her from the possibility of marrying into, uh, into the kahuna. So it happens to be that obviously over the course of generations, there have been all sorts of questions uh, with regards to uh, with regards to cases such as these. And there was a Shiloh that was posed to Zilberstein, one of a few Shilohs that we'll discuss over the course of the next few minutes, that um, the following case took place there, Zilberstein describes. And he says that there was a particular girl who grew up in a, uh, in a Christian home. And when she turned the age of 20 so the uh the family told her that she was uh the family told her that she was jewish so the the at uh, 20 years old she has to go and she has to get validation as to whether or not this is true so the mishnah uh so the shayla tells us that she goes to the uh the interior ministry of this particular place and uh she asks them if uh if this uh if this uh, you know if there's any records of uh, my parents being jewish to which they respond absolutely so of course they're jewish and uh the Parents who birthed you uh, are of Jewish descent, of Jewish lineage. So the question was: Are we going to be able? Uh, are we going to be able to believe this? Uh, are we going to be able to believe this? Uh, this uh, interior minister. So Zilberstein says that in the name of the uh, in the name of the Nesivos and in the name of uh, the Tumim, two great Achronim over here, that according to the approach of Tosos, that the uh, believability and the ne'emanus of non, uh, non-Jewish, uh, non-Jewish court systems are what they refer to both as a takanta midirabanan, and therefore in the name of Ravel Yashiv in his sefer, Kovetz Chuvos, so Ravel Yashiv is of the opinion that we're not going to be able to be somech, we're not going to be able to rely on, uh, on the interior ministry, and therefore we would have to go ahead and we would have to give her a giur lechumra, we would have to, uh, be machmir and have her go through a, uh, uh, a gerus in this particular situation, and this is the psak of Rav Zilberstein in this particular case. As our Gemara goes on, the Gemara tries to analyze the Mishnah and analyzes the concept of Rov that our Mishnah is employing. And the Gemara describes that the scenario in the Mishnah is a scenario that occurred a very unique scenario that occurred in the caravans that came from outside the city. They came to visit the city of Tsipori, and therefore the person who uh, the person who raped her, the person who uh, unfortunately was involved in uh, in, uh, in in this uh, illicit activity, was uh, could have been either of the city or could have been uh, a visitor, could have been somebody else that uh, that came to the city. So the Gemara goes on, and the Gemara says that uh, if the majority 
uh, of both the caravans and of both the members of the community were uh, were muteris and would have allowed her to marry into the kahuna, then she would be able to. To which Rashi explains that since we have two roves over here, we have rove of the people that live in the city and rove of the people from the caravans, the two roves are going to work in her favor. And the, ro- the, the two roves that we have over here, the townspeople, the people from that particular town, rove, rove of them are kosher, rove of them are ksherim, and the townspeople who came to the marketplace, the people from Tsipori are also ksherim, and therefore she would remain muteris in such a situation. So the Gemara then goes on and asks the question as to why it isn't enough to just follow one rove. Why, uh, why over here do we need two roves in order to allow her to be mutter? Why does the Gemara even have to pose that as a possibility? So the famous Gemara that's related to this discussion is a Gemara that describes, a Bryce really that describes when we have a situation of having 10 stores in a particular town, nine of the stores are selling Basar shchuta, kosher meat. And one of the stores is selling basar nevela, is selling meat that is not kosher. And a person goes and buys meat from one of the stores and they don't know which store they bought the meat from. So the halacha says that uh, from the Gemara that it's Sveiko uh, Asur, you bought from what's called a Makom Kavua. We view it as a 50 50 suffix, and therefore it's going to be Asur, like Rashi explains, Kol HaKovea Kemechza Almechza Dami. That basically the scenario that we have over here is, um, is, a, uh, is a scenario of we have half and half. Uh, we have uh, two, uh, two, uh, two halves over here. And when we have a concept and when we have a situation of what's called koveya, something that's kavua, so um, the item that we find is going to be usser. If the meat was found in the street, however, outside the store, we follow the rove, we follow the, the uh, we follow the, uh, we follow the, um, the majority of stores, and we can be mako, we can allow you to eat that particular meat. So the Gemara concludes that we are always going to be machmir with matters related to yuchsin when it comes to all sorts of genealogy. So we're going to be machmir and we're going to make sure that, uh, that we, uh, are as machmir as possible in order to, uh, to, uh, to uphold the standards of Geras, to uh, uphold the standards of Yichas in Klal Yisrael. And the Gemara says on Daftas Vavon Aleph, Ma'le Asuki B'yuchsin. So the case in the Mishnah is a much different case than uh, than all sorts of other cases because the standards are going to be much higher in uh, in this uh, in this situation. So the Gemara uh, that quotes this uh, this uh, this example in the name of Reb Describes the fact that kola kavua kemechza almechza dami, whether it leads to a kula or whether it leads to a chumra, and the Gemara then goes on to try to figure out where Reb Zira got this, uh, where Reb Zira got this shtickle from. So we have another shaila that was posed to Reb Zilberstein. The shaila is as follows: It's a fascinating shaila, and only Reb Zilberstein could come up with such a shaila. And the question is: Is that we have a non-Jew that puts um, that sees that 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 Jews aren't coming and aren't patronizing his store, so. The non-Jew uh, puts up a mezuzah on his uh, on his uh, on his door, and he thinks that if he puts up the mezuzah on his door, people are going to come and people are going to uh, people are going to buy from this particular store. So the shaila comes to Rav Zilberstein as follows, and the uh, the question is asked: Is a Jew allowed to uh, to go and to take down the mezuzah? Is a Jew able to go uh, and uh, remove the mezuzah from the non-Jewish store? So. 
Rav Zilberstein answers and he presents us with a concept, a halacha concept that's referred to as Eva. We want to do whatever we could, obviously, to uh, maintain our fraternity with the non-Jews in a respectable way. And therefore, Rav Zilberstein says, Kod arubum kasherin eva. Right? If there's no Eva, we should do our best to get the uh, store owner to remove the, uh, to remove the store, that, to remove the mezuzah, rather. That's assuming he did it in, a, in an effort to be gonev das, to do genevas das. However, if he did it for a shame shmira, he did it because he knows that a house or a store that has a mezuzah on its doorpost, so that house or store is going to uh, be guarded by uh, by the mezuzah, so that would still be okay, that would still be mutter. So the uh, Zilberstein concludes and he says, mutter limkor mezuzah legai, then I can rent the mezuzah to the guy. But no matter what, we can't just go ahead and we can't uh, we can't take it down. So the question that comes up based on all of this discussion about rove, about the items that we were to find in a street when we have a situation of numerous stores, some kosher, some non-kosher, is what difference does it make where the meat is found? Who cares if it's found in the street or who cares if it's found in a store? What's this concept of so the Rambam in Ma'achalos Asuros in Perikas Halacha Yer Aleph describes the following. The Rambam says that if nine stores go ahead and sell Basar Shruta and one sells Basar Nevela like we described above and I bought from a store and I don't know which store I bought from, the meat is going to be Asar. Why? Because every Isser Kavua is uh, like an even suffix, a suffix of 50-50. And if the meat is found in the market, we follow the majority. But if the meat is found, says the Rambam, uh, in uh, in the store, it's kavua. It's in a makom kavua. So then, it's going to be aser. And the Shulchan Aruch in Yoridea, Simon Kuf Yud Seif Gimel describes this lahalacha, where the Shulchan Aruch writes that if uh, this uh, basically quotes this Rambam that every iser kavua is like an even suffix of. 50-50, and everything that's separated uh, is going to be assumed that it's from the majority if it is found in this, uh, in, if it is found in the, uh, if it is found in the street, if it's found in a random, uh, in a random place. The Gemara then goes on to present uh, the following case, and we have a case over here, a rel- uh, relatively uh, sad case, in which uh, the Gemara describes on Tesvav and Bez the following, uh, the following that took place, and we have a scenario where we have a uh, a, a situation of matzah ba tinok mushlach. There's an abandoned child uh, that's uh, that's found in a city, and we don't know if the child is a Jew or the child is a uh, is a non-Jew. And the situation that we have over here uh, is uh, is a is a, uh, a scary situation, but probably a situation that has happened over the course of generations. And the question is, are we or how are we able to determine whether or not this child is a Jew or whether or not this child is a non-Jew? So the Gemara says in Rov Ovde Kochavim Ovde Kochavim. If the majority of people in the city are Ovde Kochavim are non-Jews, so then we can assume he's a non-Jew. But in Rov Yisrael, Yisrael, if the majority are Jews, he's going to be considered to be a Jew. And Mechza, Mechza, Yisrael, right? And if we have a 50-50 suffix over here, then we can assume and we can treat him as a how we could treat this child as a Jew. And Rav comes along and Rav says, what's the nafkamina? So the nafkamina is in a case of lahachayoso. If we have the obligation to go ahead and if we have the obligation to support him. And again, we uh, touch over here on all sorts of Ava issues. This is actually a question, a shayla that comes up in terms of doctors and why doctors are able to work on Shabbos and save the lives uh, of non-Jews uh, on Shabbos, even though there's no pikuach nefesh for a, uh, for a non-Jew in the 
it comes back to the halacha concept that we described earlier, this concept of Eva. We're nervous that if we don't go ahead, if we don't save the lives of non-Jews, then they're not going to save the lives of Jews. So uh, as a result of this concept of Eva, we go ahead and we make sure to save whichever lives that we are, um, whichever lives that we are able to. So Shmuel describes that the nafkamina over here would be if there was a, a heap of rubble that was over uh, this particular child, are we going to be uh, allowed to be Michal Shabbos to go ahead and to save him? The Gemara goes on to present all sorts of uh, nafkaminas that are related. Do we have to be Machzir and Aveda? Do we have to return the lost object of uh, of this particular person? What type of support do we have to provide him uh, if uh, if um, if he uh, if he is a Jew or if he is a non Jew, etc., etc. And those are the nafkaminas that our Gemara presents. And another shaila that comes uh, the way. Um, of Rav Yitzchak Zilberstein, where Rav Yitzchak Zilberstein over here has uh, once again uh, all sorts of uh, all sorts of incredible uh, all sorts of incredible shilas, and uh, and Rav Zilberstein uh, develops the following idea and asks Rav Zilberstein about the uh, the Yiladim Mipolin. So the uh, Rizilberstein quotes that there was a letter that was sent from the stipler to Revel Yashiv, and he was wondering um, about children that were uh, So uh, they saved their lives. The children had their lives that were saved. And uh, as a result of this, uh, of this uh, salvation, as a result of these children being saved, the question is, are we going to have to go ahead and uh, are we going to... Um, what do we do? What do we do with these children? Can we assume that they are? Uh, can we assume that they are Jewish? Uh, do we? Uh, do we not assume that they are Jewish? So uh, Rizal responds, and he says that that Ravel Yashiv presented the following thing. Ravel Yashiv said that Rov Mashlichim Yisrael Bismanahu that the majority of children that at that particular time that uh, that became uh, lost that were given over to Christian families. Uh, we're, uh, we're Jews. But in the first question, when the majority of people weren't Rov Yisrael, in the situation that we get described when he went to the Misrat Apnim, he went to the, uh, to the interior ministry. So there weren't a lot of Jews that, uh, there weren't a lot of Jews at that time that were, uh, that were given, giving their, uh, that were giving over their children. But in the situation of the Holocaust, when they were giving over their children, so we can assume that that was a, uh, that was a case of a Jewish child. But as our our first parak over here, Meseches Ksubos concludes Besulanisis. So the first parak, like we spoke about at the beginning of the Mesechta, the beginning of Shas Katan. So we have all sorts of topics over here that describe the concept of Rov, the concept of Mechza, Mechza, the concept of Kavua, what happens when we have uh, a situation like this and uh, we employ the concept of Rov. The halachic significance of rov in all sorts of areas. Certainly, medical professionals rely on rov uh, when prescribing medications, when uh, making sure, when diagnosing certain uh, illnesses, and uh, doing things. We need to live a life based on rov, and uh, that principle makes its way throughout the entire first parak of Besula Nisais. When we come back to uh, to Daf Zion in the upcoming week, and we make our way into the second parak, we're going to be seeing all sorts of other uh, halachic principles that are going to come up here at the beginning of our Masechta that are going to make our way through the entirety of Shas Katan of Meseches Ksubos. That is Meseches Ksubos Daf Tasvav, the end of the first parak, Besula Nisseis.